All right, everyone. My name is Sergio of the International Series from the Dodgeball Podcast. And here with me, I have one of England's brightest stars, Brett. Brett, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Good to be here, Sergio. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's give, give a quick rundown. Uh, what club and, I mean, probably going to sound redundant, but what club and country do you play for? Yes. So I play currently for the Lutwick Meteors uh, at a national level. Um, and then I also play for GB Dodgeball as well and previously England Dodgeball as well. Oh, nice. And let's kind of get the preliminaries out the way. Uh, what is your jersey number um, and what's the story behind it? So I currently wear number nine for both my club and country. Um, I've worn nine for most of my career. I did wear eight for a short time for England as well. Um, I think I've, I've always liked the number nine. Uh, playing sort of football or soccer, as you guys call it, um, nine was always like a striker, um, sort of an attacking number. So I'd always sort of uh, been wearing the nine in other sports and just thought I'd sort of carry that over. It was either going to be eight or nine. So um, one of those was, was the way I went. So yeah, I settled on nine for, for most of the, the last 10 years. <laughs> oh, so you've been playing for 10 years? Yeah, I think it's, maybe, no, it's probably even longer than that, to be fair. It's uh I reckon I started in 2009, so when I was, yeah, when I was 18, maybe, mm, yeah, 16, probably, <laughs> so, yeah, I've been playing since I was 16, so it's, it's probably 12 years now, which has been crazy. Oh, wow, I mean, I don't even want to think about how far back <laughs> I go, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what was your first impression of dodgeball, like, what kind of got you into it? So, I think I, I first played in school, uh, must have been, sort of, when I was about 15 or 16 and it was just uh, kind of crazy back then because it was just all different sizes and shapes and, and weights of, of ball and, and not pr proper dodgeballs. You know, there were foam, rubber, basketball, football, you would throw whatever you could get your hands on. Um, so we kind of just had, and there were about 30 of them, just this kind of chaotic um, moment. And actually it was a lot of fun. So, uh, but actually it was my neighbor, um, when I used to live at home, my neighbor at the time said, oh, we're, there's a dodgeball uh, class starting at your local leisure centre. I'm going along. Do you want to come along? And I thought dodgeball's always been one of the most fun things uh, I've played. So I thought, yeah, I'd go along and check it out. Um, and there was, even back then, there was a bit more structure than the sort of school level. So, you know, the right balls and the, the right number of people and, and actual rules in place. So I started playing there at a club and then I got uh, a friend of mine to come along, who you might know, Simon Jones, um, and yeah, I got him to come along and from there, really, it was just a class. We, we, we started entering tournaments and stuff and wanted to take it a little bit more seriously. Uh, but we didn't even realize that like most people don't, it was this whole scene that was growing in the background, that there were tournaments and leagues and things like that. Um, but it, I mean, we, we came to the first tournament and we, we fair to say we got it handed to us and realized we were, uh, we weren't as good as we thought back then. <laughs> <laughs> So I heard you mentioned uh, Simon Jones. So you guys go way back. Yeah, I've known, I've known Simon since uh, literally probably we were sort of, I don't know, eight or nine years old. Um, so, yeah, we live in the same sort of, we live in the same uh, town. There's only about sort of 10,000 people here. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, we were good school friends. Well, actually, initially we weren't good school friends. We were sort of different groups of friends. But eventually, uh, I think one summer we just took it upon each other to become friends. <laughs> Wow, you, you guys been hanging out for what, like now what twenty years now? 
Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> may, may, maybe maybe it's time to bring that to an end. Maybe COVID's helped us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so at what point did uh, either of you, or in this case, you, uh, join uh, Meteors, or did you guys start that, or how, how did that yeah. come about? So- yeah, so when it started, it was just one of these like pay-as-you-play classes and it, it didn't even have a name. So I think it was in 2010, probably, uh, that we said, oh, let's form a club. And um, we decided to call it uh, the Lutter of Meteors um, because there's some sort of history of the meteor aeroplane being, that basically being a history of the town that we're from. So that's when we decided to form it. It was run by somebody else back then a sort of coach that would come along almost employed by sort of leisure center but uh, me and simon essentially took it on ourselves once she'd sort of finished um probably about 2011 really to say oh let's um let's run this club ourselves and and uh, we we ran it from there i mean in fairness simon in the last few years has, has taken on all of the, the running of it well not, i say all of it he's you know he's, he's taken on a lot of it um, and so I think the club owes a great deal to him in terms of the fact that it's still running and um, getting people through the door and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's the sort of background to the club. And when we started, like I say, we were, we, we dreamt of winning all of the titles that we would later go on to win, but we never, we never thought it would happen. It just seemed such a distant possibility. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Uh, so fun fact, I actually got one of those, uh, Meteor jerseys that you guys were selling a couple couple of years ago now. Wow. Oh, it took nice. away a lot from us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how's, how's the fit? Because some of them can be sold. No, it fit fine. And I realized that you guys had a, a specific logo to commemorate your 10-year anniversary. Oh, you got the 10-year one, did you? Yeah, yeah. I think that, oh, nice. I mean, as far as I know, that's the only one that you guys sold openly. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was a like, nice little uh, – homage to your history right there um so yeah. let's kind of go into that a little bit like what were the early challenges um that you faced while playing because you played under the old uh three ball set right yeah that's right yeah that's right the the um i mean i guess like the first thing was just organization like teams had calling systems in place they had structure they had um you know tactics in in a way that i guess when you join you just don't think of as much um so it was definitely organization and structural um i think obviously they played together longer as well three ball as you say was a pretty crazy thing because the balls were bigger um you know it was more defensive in that if you if you lost a player quite early on you could essentially give the balls back to the other team and say you know come attack us um and so i think that was that's sort of you look at how much you used to throw in that style of game before you actually you know you have to potentially a team would lose a player and then just give you the ball to throw um, for maybe two minutes straight. So that was a kind of different challenge back then as well. Yeah. I remember watching some of those games and it was just <laughs> a little, a little too, a little too defensive, even for me, for someone who likes to be that way. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I, I completely agree. I, I'm, I'm all for the, the attacking play where possible. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably why, uh, cause we, we, I want to say this was what back in 2011 or 2012, at least in the LA, LA scene, there was cloth being played, but it was in like the beach. Um, So we played it mainly in the beach and we played with the same like eight inch or nine inch ball you guys played. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It it just didn't pick up too well unless we had like 
four or five extra ones and yeah yeah it just it didn't they were quite big weren't they those you know before we went to the seven inch ball they were quite because of the material and the size that you know a lot of people couldn't grip them in, in a single hand yeah no uh i could tell you personally like we play with rubber of the same size and those are easier to grip than um than the cloth there and sometimes like one of the hacks that we used to do back in the day if like a ball was already torn you just kind oh, yeah. of put your finger in the between the cloth <laughs> and the seam and like kind of cheat the grip so to speak yeah no i know exactly what you mean i i, I had a um i had a first experience of using your the guys rubber dodge balls in chicago uh, in 2017 and um you because you've got two you've got to you can hold them however you want and pinch them and there's another division where you, you can't pinch them is that right right that's yeah that seemed pretty crazy to me like that there was a separate division of you know some people can you know there's this ball but some people can grip it a limited way and some people can grip it a different way so you were part of the british bulldogs yeah that we came over to to udc in 2017 the british bulldogs um and that was just an absolutely hilarious trip because you know just five or six of us just or maybe more seven or eight of us just having this huge laugh we you know, got a chance to meet uh, a load of the, you guys over there and, and so hospitable. Um, and, you know, UDC obviously was fun, but actually we, we had that open gym night where we had all these great players playing foam, playing cloth, playing rubber, um, all versions of the sport. And just, you know, because I guess before that, there was this, there's all these, this, you know, which ball preference uh, debate, which has gone on forever and ever. And it was good just to see people, playing all versions of the sport and just enjoying themselves. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, we've had some pretty awesome trips, uh, which Dodgeball's afforded us, but I still put Chicago as, as the best trip in terms of just, it just had everything. <laughs> uh, so what was your highlight of uh, Chicago outside of UDC? Would you, you say it would be that open gym, that open scrimmage? Yeah, I reckon it was the open gym. Um and um, that was just, and just the social side, you know, meeting Jake and Vince Glenn, uh, you know, I don't miss anyone else out, but just a load of other people. Um, just, you, they're all so welcoming. So, you know, that, that was a great trip. Yeah, I, I can honestly say, um, whether you're traveling this way or in my case, traveling that way, uh, the one thing about the, the community is that it's very welcoming regardless where you're coming from, just because yeah, we have think- a universal language in the sport here. I think that's right. And, and when you talk to people that haven't played the, the sport about what's so good and, and at the end of the day, the sport's great as it is, but the, the best bit, isn't it? It's the social side, traveling to see people like, obviously that seems pretty alien right now, but um, going abroad and having these, you know, trips, which like, even when we're on these trips, you know, we say sometimes you'll look back and you'll think how good these moments were. So I think that's what it's all about. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so I kind of maybe maybe we can have some international travel again sometime. Who knows? (laughs) Hey, I'm gonna tell you this right now. I'm looking forward to it personally. Um, (laughs) because I had plans to go out there at least four times in 2020, and COVID just snapped its fingers and said no. (laughs) What's your uh, what's the first place you want to go to after when you can? Uh, literally. Any like okay, so um, I initially planned to go out there to play for the, in the foam open in Manchester. Oh, nice! And yeah. um, but at this point, any tournament that I can, any it could be in England, it could be in Northern Ireland, it could be 
in Wales. Literally, if it's a, the first possible tournament I can go out there, I will. Um, yeah. That, it, I, I just had a blast over there. And one of my biggest regrets is I didn't add an extra week to my vacation. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Well, I'm pretty sure, like I say, people will start getting vaccinated. And obviously, you're welcome anytime at our tournaments when, when they're back and up and running. Yeah. And plus, I had a, a taste of cloth there and I had a, had a blast <laughs> with it. So. <laughs> yeah, you must but you must have you must have had one of the most sort of competitive experiences of cloth of, of mo- any anyone over that side of the pond. Uh yeah, it was at the British Open. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it wasn't just any other it? open, it was in Canic. Uh what did you make of that? Of the tournament? Yeah, yeah. Um well it's ran a lot differently than how we do things here, but at the same time, like it didn't take me too long to adjust. Uh, I love that for me, when I went over there, the gameplay seemed quicker than on, you know, YouTube videos and stuff. Yeah. yeah, There wasn't too much time to like, you know, huddle up and, and do our, do whatever play call or whatever. Just like, it's more like just set up attack and go. And that kind of favors my style a little bit. Uh, I definitely enjoyed everyone I met there. Yeah. Um, even watching some of the, you know, solid games like one of my favorite matchups um was in day two i think this was after the group stage was uh meteors and storm because for me like i'd argue like that right there should have been the finals but Uh, because of however it played out like it you guys met up earlier yeah such pace in those games like you say it's, it's it doesn't always come across but not much breathing space it's just uh front foot isn't it yeah, I, I enjoyed that matchup. I enjoyed um, the finals. Um, it, it was just, for me, it felt like it was a lot more quicker than, you know, on YouTube videos and stuff like yeah. where I watch. And that's one thing I would say for anyone, like if you guys want to, I'm speaking to the people in the States, yeah. if you guys want to experience cloth, I mean, whenever we can, just fly over there, get you some time in and and, and really experience it because – I mean, if you want to try out for Team USA's on the club team, you got to get some some reps on on their on their turf. Yeah, yeah, I second that. So, um, but yeah, I wanted to ask earlier. Uh, we kind of just went a little bit ahead. Um, what's yeah. your sports background? So, uh, I was I was one of these families where we just played sort of every sport to start with. I was like, I've got you know the most sports I've certainly played. Um, I played football, soccer since the age of five. Um, I also did judo since the age of five as well. Um, we played sort of county tennis, county table tennis. Um, sorry, county badminton. I also played table tennis. Um, you know, we did a bit of martial arts, a bit of boxing. Um, so, I mean, we have pretty much, I, mean, I say we, I, I'm one of three uh, boys in my house. So I've got an older brother and a younger brother. Um, so just and not too far aged apart. So just was raised in a super competitive household with sports, um, <laughs> probably too competitive at times, way too competitive. <laughs> um, like anything in our family turned into like World War Three, like an Olympic Games. There was like everything had to be scores, had to be kept. There had to be, yeah, but I won <laughs> this one last year. I will beat you at this. And it's just you, like that, those formative years kind of uh, sum it all up. <laughs> <sighs> It's funny how you mentioned you did um, you, you mentioned football, you mentioned judo, which is also something I'm passionate about. But then yeah. you also mentioned um, being just very competitive in your household. Now is this like 
Yeah, the only difference between me and 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 you is like you're pretty much we're pretty much the same except where we're born and where we lived. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. In, in my family, it was just like in our household, like yeah, I mean, other than you know, just cultural differences, like we're competitive about everything. We're whether it's Monopoly, <laughs> whether it's dominoes, yeah. whether yeah. it's football, like I still remember certain things from like a couple years ago. Like, you know, I dropped 20 on you on the basketball court, right? <laughs> no, I dropped them 20. <laughs> like we, we just like, we still bring it up. <laughs> oh, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. But I think, um, and I don't know about your house, but like I, both my brothers are like um, not just sporty, but like really good natural ability at sports as, as well. So it's like, it's always playing people who are really good at it as well, like drives you on to get better. Oh, no, same, same, especially in judo, because like all my sisters were older than me and they weren't afraid to flip me in the living room if, yeah. they, if, if given the opportunity. So, but I mean, straight, the only difference is, straight into an arm lock. <laughs> oh, man, I could just be watching TV, watching cartoons watching x-men or whatever and then all of a sudden i'm in an arm bar on the floor yeah. tapping out i'm like okay yeah like yeah. one sister got me in an arm bar the other one got me in a heel hook unbelievable you know i love it and both my brothers were super good at both black belts at judo as well so uh wrestling was a, a regular part as like yours of our childhood <laughs> <laughs> i think the only difference is like between you and me is like we you know in my family like we we talk english and spanish Oh, so nice. we get competitive in two different languages. <laughs> yeah, my my dad my dad actually is bilingual in Spanish because my my um, family from I've got family in the states, right? I've got family in Seattle, um, but my grandparents are from Ecuador and Bolivia, so all that side of the family is Spanish speaking as well. So I've I've sort of heard that side of things as well. So I do kind of know what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a family in Seattle. Yeah, so my my auntie, my uncle, all my cousins live in Seattle. Um, yeah, there are quite a few of them um, live in Seattle. And you haven't checked out the dodgeball scene out there? Obviously you know, pre-COVID. Yeah, you know, I went uh, to Seattle before New York World Cup um, and tried to to join up with a hangout game. Or Was it, uh, is it Lucas Boyle, is it, out there yes. in Seattle? Yeah, yes. I tried to hook up and it, the dates, the times just didn't quite work. Um, but like... I'm definitely going to visit the family again. So I, I plan to join them at some point. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, we had, I had no idea you had some connection out there. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, my dad, my dad was born in New Jersey. So um, if anyone from Team USA wants to, uh, to nick me, I'm as eligible for them as I am for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll uh, swap jerseys on that end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So... I kind of want to touch back to the little open gym you had in Chicago because I remember some of that was filmed. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what was your, like outside of cloth, obviously, remove that from the equation. What was your favorite style of dodgeball that you played there and why? My favorite in the open gym after cloth was, was actually uh, rubber uh, because it felt uh, like it had a bit more pace to me than the phone game in the sense that there was... There was running counters, you know, the, the balls would fly past them and you could set, you could go with two wingers and attack um, and you had that ability to do that. I think the ball, you know, well, until we played the pinch version, I'm talking about the non-pinch version. Um, right. The ball was quite true to where you threw it. Um, and so I quite like that element. And then they introduced it to pinch. 
So I'd actually put pinch below foam. So I'd go cloth, non-pinch rubber, foam, pinch rubber. Because <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, I think one of our teammates, their soul left their body after they were hit by uh, uh, this guy who played for like, I don't know, is it Chicago Task Force or something like that? He yeah, just, yeah, Chicago Task Force. He just ripped one. And uh, I think that oh. rubber imprint's still on his chest. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I remember seeing that clip. Who was it? Simon, <laughs> 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 I think Vince uh, sort of went over to him and was just checking he was still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my god. Sorry, but Simon. No, I, I like rubber. You know, the 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 trade offs are quite good, and it has a similar style and pace, I think, to it. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, one of the biggest things, like for me, that was easy to adjust in cloth was as soon as I got the grip down over there. Yeah. It literally just felt like throwing a rubber ball. Yeah. I mean, down yeah, to definitely. even the impact. Yeah. And then that's right. You know, in, in, in the sense, like you say, where you can almost absorb the, the, the ball to catch. You kind of know how it's going to stay on your chest or, or bounce right back. You know, whereas sometimes with foam, I've, I've made a catch and it's been wedged in an elbow and I didn't even realize. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they don't really happen so much in cough or rubber. You can kind of, yeah. you don't get those weird moment where the ball might just sort of morph no um i would argue that with cloth the the margin of error for catching is so small that it's like you have to be spot on with it at least with foam it could squish into you on impact at least with rubber it can kind of fold into you on impact with cloth i realized like i had so many dropped catches or fumbles and i was in the right spot that if it was any other ball type it, it would have stuck right there yeah, it can kind of really like take the pace off your chest and then like almost come back twice as fast. Oh, yeah. Especially over in that gym where it was like wall to wall on both sides. Oh, they're a killer. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder whether uh, you ever get the ball back. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there were some games um, where it was like that, but then there was other games where it was like, okay, I fumbled this catch, but I'm definitely coming back and, and making the next one. And then I'm in the right, right. position for it. And then it just bounces away from me, but I had it in my, in my pocket and it was just, I could just see the sideline looking at me like, okay, you'll get the next one. You get the next one. But I was in the right position for a lot of those and just realized that with cloth, you have to be spot on timing, everything. I think you're right. Yeah. That's spot on. I mean, if you can, I'd argue if you can catch cloth, you can pretty much catch anything. Yeah. I think think so. I think that kind of sums up the cloth game to an extent in that, you know, it's with practice, everything's kind of logical with it. You know, you can get your body in the right position. You can, um, you can, you know, if you can't throw the ball, it's not like you need to learn how to dip it or curve it or, but, you know, you just need to get accurate throwing at the same thing every day. You, you, the, the, the game to learn is, is, is kind of logical in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so before we get into some of these crowdsource questions, uh, I also wanted to ask um, for you as a player, like how, how would you describe your play style? Are you more um, offensive, defensive? And because yeah. you played foam too, how does that relate to your play style as well? So I think I would always be considered a, you know, a pretty aggressive player, maybe to my, you know, coach's uh, lack of enjoyment over the years, maybe <laughs> I, I would, like, Super aggressive, super front foot, 
I mean, I think it, your style obviously depends on your position as well. Obviously, I'm a left. I'm on the left wing, depending which way you look at it. I'm on the far far left. So you know that means not only am I sort of counter, you know, uh, running counter, but I'm also the person who's calling, calling the numbers, calling the plays, calling, you know, giving the team permission to either attack or hold the balls because that's that's what happens where in our team the person on the left says go or they say to hold. So I think that's always been my idea is, is is to attack the game is to to take it to the other team to be aggressive um and yeah you know be very tactical in terms of over the years i've become far more tactical and, and you know i always research the teams we're playing and especially internationally as well but um i'm always a fan of not adapting your game too much to the opposition trying to sort of bring out your strengths um so yeah pretty front foot player um and over the years maybe i've got a little bit more uh, tactical as it's gone along, I would say. In foam, um, obviously, um, I would say I'm kind of still finding my style in foam to an extent. Um, I haven't had a, a huge exposure to it. Uh, played quite a bit with Team GB, but not not a great deal. Um, and I, I guess I'm still adapting to the slower pace, you know, where I would just be instinctively wanting to run and counter that we hold, come up, pump fake, throw one ball. And that, that's kind of my frustration with with that version for me is 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 we have you know six balls and only one of them goes most of the time <laughs> so it's uh it's frustrating because if it, it feels more considered you know I, I like to be in amongst the action um and perhaps in foam i just need to, to sort of take it back a level and, and, and almost slow it down a bit if that makes sense no it does um and i'll have to agree um i would say not just you, but the whole meteors. You guys are so so, as you say, on the front foot that a lot of teams were more more inclined to adapt to you, whether they yeah. wanted to or not. Versus, okay, we'll just sit back and see what they bring, and then we'll go from there. Um, I did see that you guys adapted in in some games, but for the most part, it, it looked like you guys were just, especially you, like you were just more like, okay, I'm just gonna give them what I got and they, they better yeah. adjust because I'm not doing nothing different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you set the tone right away. Sports, the, you know, when, when a team's high impact, high intensity, high pace, it's kind of like, especially in, in tournament styles, yeah, features, it's kind of like you don't even know what's hit you until maybe set three or, and you think, wow, we need to just, we need to just think about what's going on. So I think if you can, you can go early with that. It's, it's, it's a bit of a shock to everybody. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. <laughs> yeah, so foam feels like I do like. There's plenty of things I like about it, but um, when you're a player, I suppose who wants to be involved, you know, if you get hit in foam in that first rush, and then because there's no defined uh, time set, <laughs> and you could be stood on on the side for the next six or seven minutes, I think like that. There's nothing more frustrating than that because. You don't know when you're, I mean, I suppose in cloth, you can get hit in the first 10 seconds and, you know, I'll be back on in at least the most three minutes time, possibly sooner, but <laughs> knowing it could be seven or eight minutes is just, it's soul destroying. Is that, is that the like major drawback with you with, uh, with foam that I it's more so. like broken in two halves rather than a couple sets? I think so. Yeah. The, the lack of sort of guaranteed game time is probably the main thing I, I would change. And I don't think, it will change the game massively. Um, the other thing, just from an outsider perspective, is like 
Um, I think spectators like to see a lot of action. That's the sort of advantage of dodgeball. And people who don't play, who I've shown phone, have kind of said, oh, great, there's six dodgeballs. But then they, they see mostly just one of them going most of the time. I'm not saying all the time. And they find that a little bit frustrating. Like, And obviously, as a player, you completely respect that the pump fakes are so convincing and it's really hard to even track one ball and you may not even get near that one ball. But I think from a spectator side, you know, they kind of like to see a bit a bit more releasing going on. And I guess the, the, the rules mean that that, that that doesn't happen, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Um, I would say at that level, it very rarely happens. Um, yeah. With the exception of, like, when you see Team USA or Team Canada, like, there could be that one spark that goes off and you see b- yeah. balls going back and forth. Uh, but oh, Don't get me wrong there. They're, like, unbelievable players and unbelievable. And I'll make the point to people that it's just ridiculously difficult to to even sit, you know, know where the next ball's coming from before it's hit you. Um, but, yeah, it's it's, again, like, I love all versions of the sport. And I love, I love before COVID that we got to the stage that we were having a tournament with both versions. I mean, that, that's, that to me is just a, a great point to be at. There's, that, that seemed like the logical neutral ground for years to me. Like when there were all these, which one shall we play? Just hold on, why don't we play both, you know? <laughs> Was that like a, a fantasy setup for you guys over there as well? Like you guys wanted to play both? Uh, I, I mean, I know a lot of people that did. Uh, I know some people, uh, to be fair, the phones had a big impact on people who, who almost want to choose it as their first choice. But um, I think certainly amongst the top players, um, we felt, um, certainly I can only speak for sort of my teammates, we felt we wanted to prove we were the best at ours and we wanted to see how good we could be at, at your version of the sport. And we know that top athletes of all the nations were the same. Why? You know, here's how good we are at cloth. This is how good we could be at foam, and how how good we can be, um, rather than just almost being this false, you know, fa- this fallacy that actually we're the best, but we haven't tried at any other version of the game. <laughs> actually, I like that attitude because um, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't really be, consi- in my humble opinion, like, and you, you can't really be considered the best best player unless you've played every ball style and you know travel to different countries to, you know, yeah. really sharp your skills and, and such. Yeah, like, 100%. So, and that's part of the reason why, like, I, I, I'm I, more inclined to travel. Like, I want to, now that I, well, back then, now that I could, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I wanted to not only experience how the game is played elsewhere, but I also wanted to experience culture, too, because ultimately that's how, how, you do, how you enrich your life and how you define your perspectives and what you see. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Spot on. So, God, I, I cannot wait to travel, man. I oh. swear. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, do you know what? I kind of like, I, you know, I was missing dodgeball loads early COVID. Then I sort of desensitized, switched off, made a conscious decision to not think about it. And now, like, having this podcast and talking about it, I've got the itch again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much been how, how I felt anytime I talked to you know, anyone internationally is just like, I always get to that part in the interview and you've heard me just go into that right now where it's like, man, I want to go over there right now. <laughs> oh, I feel it. I feel it. Doing these interviews are kind of bittersweet in that sense because it always brings that up. Uh, I know. I'm feeling it like the emotional stir right now. <laughs> oh, man. Um, did you have any, uh, hold on. Did you have any role models growing up? 
whether um, they be sports or I mean I kind of like I'm not like a massive Liverpool football fan so you may have not heard of him but Steven Gerrard was like a big football role model but um, you know I was I suppose anyone in sports that I could look to and think you know they're somebody I could emulate their success or, or that's somebody I could you know to sort of have that influence and I guess yeah sort of football it's like a massive fan of actually Michael Jordan as well from from uh, obviously the NBA. Um, I was a big fan before The Last Dance came out on Netflix, but he was just like one of the most competitive people I've ever seen. Like just the intensity he had just was his like singular focus being just to win the game, um, like dragging that Bulls team um, in, in his sort of last season when I watched that. And I was, I was sort of acutely aware of him anyway. Um, but just watching him now, I just think, yeah, you know, that that that's the sort of, I like sportsmen who just leave it all on the court, leave it there and have, you know, I think there's a difference between an on-court persona and an off-court persona. And, you know, you can just be uber, you know, wanting to win and competitive and, and, and leave that all on the court. Those sort of athletes, I always thought, are brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um... Well, one, yes, I do know Steven Gerrard is. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I do watch Premier, Premier League, too. Um, I've always respected him, even though I was more of a, a Rio Ferdinand fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though I was a midfielder and, and striker, like, I don't know, like a lot of times I always like lean towards looking up to defenders. Yeah. So for yeah. me, currently, I would say Virgil van Dijk. Oh, colossal, <laughs> absolutely colossal. <laughs> um, yeah, other than that, like I, I would agree. Uh, pretty yeah, I, I think just people who you know, true to their team, passionate, and leave it all like big respect for that. Yeah, I'm I'm all about that. I don't know if you heard my episode, but um, I'm uh, all about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I don't like to hold back nothing. Um, that's just me I personally. I think that's the thing, you know, I think that probably links to your upbringing and possibly mine as well. And I think when I, to be, to be truthful, when I first joined dodgeball, because it wasn't at the step, you know, I played sports that were probably more advanced than dodgeball was in, in its infancy. And maybe, you know, I think if I look back now, I think my extremely competitive nature in my early days, um, you know, has certainly mellowed now, but, you know, Sometimes, yes, on-court interactions, even with my own teammates, not particularly um, in a great light. Uh, but actually, it just comes from, you know, wanting to win, wanting to do better. And also coming from team environments where that was acceptable, you know, football, people shouting at each other on the football pitch in the, in the changing room, completely normal competitive football. Um, same, same with all the sports I've been brought up on. It was a completely normal environment. Um, and then I come over to dodgeball and it's actually because it's almost at this recreational stage when you join, you just look and think, you know, you'd have this competitive issue and think, wow, okay, this, this sport's not at the same level yet for that to be acceptable. So I think, you know, I look back 10 years ago and, and was you know, far different to, to I am now and not particularly, um, not that I'm not proud of it per se, but just thinking it was a, it's a different sport. If you, does, does that make sense? No, no, it, it makes sense. Um... Uh, I, I definitely am catching on to everything you're saying. Uh, yeah, uh, it might not be at that point where it's acceptable, but at least at the, at least at the highest level, whether it's Worlds or the Open, uh, the British Open, uh, people understand. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. There's there's some tournaments that have a little more uh, prestige to it, and you got to add that. You got to have that sense of seriousness to it. Yeah, and That's, I think especially when you come from that environment, like I say, with teammates, where you know you can absolutely go at it, and you can an hour later go to the pub with them and laugh and, and just be like, "Wow, that was mad." But you know, <laughs> it, I think it's important to get that, you know, the, to understand there is a line, isn't there? Like between it, it's it's that's any that's my view anyway. Like leave it all on the court, absolutely go at it, and then afterwards, you know, what's done is done. Don't 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 hold it against anyone. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but you kind of mentioned something that now just crossed my mind. Uh, and I don't know if you probably thought about this or if, or it's just me being a dork like I am. <laughs> um, you mentioned the last dance. Yeah. And earlier I mentioned the 10-year anniversary jersey that I got from uh, Simon Jones. Oh, yeah. Will we potentially see when Dodgeball returns uh, – not so much a last dance, but a documentary of you guys potentially reclaiming the uh, the the crown. That would be super cool. Like, <laughs> I think that, that would that would be so cool. I'm not gonna lie, that would be amazing. I mean, um, obviously, <laughs> like the lads had had such a superb year. I mean, we we set out the year before to win the the Super League, the UK Championship, and the the English Championship, and, and we did. Um, and you know. They'd been on such an, a, a great run without losing. I think it's been, well, because of COVID, it's probably been three or four years now. But realistically, I count it <laughs> through, you know, the years that we've been playing. Um, and this year had been the sort of most competitive year yet. And, and Leamington had done superbly well. Um, at the same time as us possibly having a little bit of a plateau, um, to be fair. Um, but having said that, I like fully back the team it was still in our hands if we'd beat Leamington next game and, you know, won the remainder of our games, then we'd have won it. But, you know, fair play to them. It, it was just, it was sad to lose it. We were, we were willing to lose it, but it was sad to lose it without losing it on court, if that makes sense. It just, just felt felt a little bit, it was, it's a stinging way to lose things. No, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I remember, oh God, it it feels like so long ago, but when I, when I heard the announcement for you guys and yeah, pretty much the abrupt ending it was just like and I, 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 I mean I, I would easily have put it down as a 50 50 like i think they just they very 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 possibly could have won it their own accord and like full, full props i thought up until that stage they were on fire fair play um it was just i didn't what we didn't like as a team were that and i don't want to get too much into politics but what we didn't like was that there were two solutions to the league if that makes sense so it didn't feel fair that it it was either the season should be null and void, it doesn't count anymore, or that the season um, should go on a points-per-game basis. But what the governing body in Britain did was essentially said, it's not it's null and void for every team except for the top two. So 10th, 9th, 8th, 7th, 6th, 5th, 4th, 3rd, you don't have any consequences. So basically, the, the team that was bottom and second from bottom didn't get relegated. So it's kind of saying, well, it's acceptable to finish the league as it is for the first and second place team and have the consequences. You lose the title, but there's no consequences for anyone else. The season's not avoided. I think you, I think they needed the conviction to have one solution to that league and say, sorry, you lost the league, but you also got relegated, you two teams, because it was it's two solutions to one problem. And that felt like it ducked the issue slightly. That was our point. I actually had no idea that 
it was that nuance as far as how it ended. I just thought it just yeah. ended and that was that. And no, there was slightly more to it. If you you see what I mean now, like, and especially when you 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 put if I put it to you, Sergio, that the teams voted on it. But imagine that imagine that's a bit of a loaded vote. If your team was going to get relegated, you'd probably vote for it to be null and voided. But if you take relegation off the table, it's a it's a free vote. Right. Yeah. Huh. So, but the thing is, like I say, I thought they were phenomenal season for Leamington. I think they are a phenomenal team. I think they could have won it anyway, but we just love, we, you know, it gives us extra emphasis when we get back to try and get the title back the best we can. Yeah, I think, I, well, I wasn't aware of the nuance, but I remember when I heard the news, I don't know if it was from the Meteors page or from British Dodgeball, but I just remember, I think I posted something like, you know what, this does suck, uh, considering the circumstances that we're facing. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'd say use this as motivation to come back and really make it definitive. Yeah, because like, for me, like, right. I, I'm, I'm like the same way. Like, granted, I, I understand what's going on around us, but let's set, let's set a platform to make it definitive. If yeah, not now, then sometime down the road, because th- this was coming to a collision course. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I was seeing it. As, as much as I follow British dodgeball, I think I'm the only one that follow, follows it outside of the UK. Sure. I thought it was going to be a co- collision course between Yule or Spartans or even Storm. Yeah. I, yeah. That's what I was looking yeah. at it from where I was. And that's uh, it. I think the next meet that we were due to face was top v Leventon uh, versus ourselves. So it felt like that was the decider. And obviously, COVID didn't fancy seeing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like fair play to them, um, and you know, we we will, you know, like I say, we, we've not lost the league game I think since 2016. Hopefully, uh, we don't come <laughs> back a bit like Liverpool in the Premier League, who hadn't lost, <laughs> lost them all. <laughs> but I'm not going to rule that out. To be honest, I think we'll see a lot of injuries. I think we'll see a lot um, out of form players. I think we'll see. A lot of people not return. I think we'll see people who are maybe 30, 31, uh, who maybe wanted this as their last season or their last international. Some of them maybe viewed the world champs in Glasgow as their, their swan song. So I think we'll see a different landscape when we come back. So you think on your end you're going to see a lot less people return because of that? I I think so. I think, we'll, I think there were a number of people who were close and also a number of people who had seen Glasgow as their final, you know, this is what a great way to go, this all the Dodgeball community together um, and would leave it. Um, I think there'll be people who, I think COVID slowed the world down in the sense that people are now appreciating a slower pace and they realise, I mean, not for me and yourself who are really <laughs> people, people who don't want to spend every every weekend doing it um, and now they'll have normality that they'll perhaps want to, to reassess. So I think we'll see a slightly different situation, uh, but I think, um, it's, you know, it's hard to say for sure. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, sadly, I kind of feel like that would be the same on our sense, though. I don't think we'd have a considerable drop off. Con- you know, yeah. like people here, like training, some people are actually playing, like I mentioned before, uh, people just want to return and yeah. I don't, I don't know if they want to end it on that, on that note. You know what I mean? Like me personally, I know like I, I'm, I'm in my 30s, but I'm in better shape than when I was 20 or even in high school. So I'm not yeah, looking to yeah. retire anytime soon. It's just, um, it, that's right, like knowledge of sports conditioning and science has got so much better 
and um, you feel like you can go on for a lot longer. I mean, it's I just hopefully people obviously take precautions. You don't want to see too many injuries when you come back, do we? Yeah, no. I mean, I'm lucky enough. I've been blessed with that, and um, one of the things I like I always do on tournaments, and this is for everyone to kind of <laughs> to kind of share with everyone because obviously this will be aired. Um, yeah. Especially when I did this in Canic, I ordered a lot of ice from room service <laughs> and just sat in the tub for like 30 minutes or so. And I do this after every tournament because uh, we didn't make it out of our group. Yeah. I mean, it hurts, but <laughs> I'd rather feel good after it. Yeah. the you. I remember the first time we had an ice bath as an England team and uh, obviously it takes your breath away, but you, you just think, oh, wow. Like, uh, the recovery was... Was you felt ready to go again. Oh, yeah. I, I Whether, you know, we had gotten out of our group or not, like I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. The people in the hotel are going to look at me weird, but whatever. <laughs> they already look at me weird because I don't sound like anyone else, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. It's a great idea. Get as much ice as you can into the bathtub and sort it. <laughs> all right. So we're going to get into the crowdsource questions here. Okay. <laughs> and, um, Nicholas Factorin, uh, I think you might have met him in Chicago. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Good God. Okay, so odd statement. So I'm going to really ask you to go into this. Is there no one else? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I can't remember if it was, I think it was uh, um, partially in the gym, but also at UDC. Uh, I think I caught one of the Giovinco brothers, which um, I didn't realize how much of a big deal they were until then. Um, but there was also, I think there was a moment at the gym when I caught one of the maybe catch or vids or something. And I joked with um, Nicholas, and it, it's, it's, it's a line off of, um, it's a line off of the movie Troy. And essentially what happens in Troy is... Uh, <laughs> the Brad Pitt movie? Yeah, Achilles comes to <laughs> He kills someone in like two seconds, and he turns to the rest of the rest of the uh, uh, warriors and says, "Is there no one else? Like, who else will challenge me?" <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think every time we did something, then me and him were sort of like saying, "You know, is there no like who else wants to challenge us?" <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me put the mic down. I'm... Uh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> okay. The, the fact that you mentioned the movie Troy, and I was like, yeah. I know exactly what he's talking about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was kind of like, kill, kill your best man, and, and, and what else have you got? <laughs> You're like, I consider that a step below, are you not entertained? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. That, that, that'll be the next one post-code. That'll we'll be for that. <laughs> oh man that's actually pretty good I, I love that as soon as you as soon as you said Troy I'm like Brad Pitt I know the scene I'm looking at the scene right now yeah as a matter of fact I, I turn to my right and I see my DVD right on my stand <laughs> this is perfectly timed I love it okay you just got cooler in my book um, <laughs> all right next question from Rob Hometown Brett, how do you feel about American swing sets? Please tell the story from NYC. Hope all is well. Uh, swing sets. Uh, yeah, so uh, before the uh, Madison Square Garden World Cup, me and Simon went for some 
We went for some chicken wings, actually. I think we went. Uh, is it like Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that? It was really yeah, yeah. yeah. Buffalo Wild and, Wings. Uh, on the way back, it was just me and him walking through New York, and we saw this um, like play playground for kids, I suppose. And I um, I went on this swing on these adult swings um, and tried to jump off at the highest point. Um, kind of got wedged in the seat and like face planted. And then essentially what happened <laughs> is I was walking back and said to Simon, and my collarbone has given me some serious issues. And I've broken it, I've broken it twice doing judo before. And I said to him, I fractured my collarbone. And he, he was sort of laughing, like, sure you have. And I said, no, 100% I fractured my collarbone. Anyway, I played through this tournament for the next, whatever, three days in loads of pain, like serious amount of pain. Um, I get back to England, go to the doctor, the hospital, get an X-ray, and I had actually played all weekend with a broken collarbone. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> stupidity on another level. <laughs> Jeez. Um, even our playgrounds are dangerous. That's just madness, isn't it? I'm, I think it was probably a kid's swing. That's right. Maybe shouldn't have gone on it. <laughs> I mean. You're talking to someone who played football, American football, wrestled a bit, basketball, and I've got some injuries myself. I've never got injured on a swing set. It's it's a it's a low light. <laughs> it's a career low light. <laughs> oh, I don't worry about it. I'll take care of this in post. We'll never they'll they'll yeah. never know. <laughs> Get that edited out and just say oh, I was like robbed or something. <laughs> I can't. I can't do that to Rob. Rob is like the OG in in, in the states. So he's he's, everyone... uh, he's such a nice guy, isn't he? And um, yeah. yeah, he's he seems like a bit of a legend out there as well. Is he? Um, and also shout out to Rob. I don't know if you've seen his Instagram when he when he does a barbecue at his place. Oh, I just I want to be there when he's making those ribs. Oh yeah. Um, no, I, I I keep an eye. Out. Like he's he, yeah. Uh, where he's from. He's like three hours north of where you guys played. How is it? Yeah, so he's like way, way up there. He's not in the city. Yeah, that's that's another thing. When you hear New York and you just assumed he was uh, that everyone's in Manhattan and you realize how big that state is. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I just assume, I remember him being. I remember messaging him if he was around or something. Him saying, "Oh no, I'm, I'm like I'm like three hours from here or something." I was like, "Oh right, so you don't live in uh, the Big Apple." <laughs> No, it's really expensive out there, and I don't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, pretty pretty crazy. So, do you prefer New York or LA? Uh, well, I haven't been to New York in a while. Like literally, yeah. the last time I've been to New York was like when I was thirteen. Okay. And I was out there for like a small football trip, so I didn't really get to explore it. Yeah. Um. So, but by default, I would say LA, but I would love to go to New York whenever I can. Yeah, like, we, that's we, literally we, we one of the biggest. Come to LA as well. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much one weather type all year round, and from what I gather, you guys don't <laughs> see the sun too much. Exactly, that's perfect. We tried. To, I tried to arrange coming out to your guys' nationals. I think in in, in LA, but it didn't quite happen. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna try and do it. Um, Wait, nationals yeah. in LA? Was it nationals? Oh, what did what was it called? Uh, there was something going out. I'm trying to remember what it was now. Um, Are you talking about the worlds that happened before Cancun? I'm not sure if it was the worlds. I might even have a have an old message of it. If, uh, 
trying to think what it was. Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, we didn't have any idea where Nationals would be. And the is, only is big it? thing you... I just remember Jake saying, wish you'd come to LA for a real tournament instead and thinking, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> oh, okay. That's, that was probably just Jake wanting to bring you out, if anything. Yeah, no, well... Post-COVID, another one on the list. And, uh, yeah, I've never been to LA. It looks, it looks pretty wild, especially the, um, I don't know, especially the expensive areas. <laughs> I mean, I live on Hollywood, so I could tell you that firsthand. <laughs> it, it looks madness. It looks, and the weather looks amazing. Yeah. If you come out here, let me know. I'll definitely show yeah, you around. 100%. 100%. <laughs> All right. So as we begin to wrap this up, um, I have a theme that I wanted to tackle this season uh, called the theme of legacy, what we like to leave behind. And this is going to be a little bit of a, I realize this question is pretty much like a tearjerker or like it it tugs at the strings with people that I've asked. How would you like to be remembered after you play your final game? That is a tearjerker, especially in the emotional COVID times. And I think one of the things about COVID as well is that we have a chance to step back and reflect. I think that is quite quite good um i mean i'd love to after playing the last game just to be sort of remembered as a player that number one gave it his all you know 100 percent in every game um always being there always being consistent always delivering i mean i've been like i say when i started um 12 years ago there were certain things i wanted to do i wanted to win the league the nationals i wanted to win the european championships and the world championships and I've been super fortunate to play with some great players and been able to do that. So, for, you know, I want to be remembered as somebody that delivered on the big stages and had big moments at major events. And, you know, without sort of trying to blow my own trumpet, I think I can look back and say, yeah, there were some great moments at major events that, that I delivered. And, and so I guess the legacy is somebody who gave it his all, was there for the big moments, delivered for his team. He was a good teammate, good, you know, good tactician, good motivator and just had a good laugh with and that, that's the thing I was saying to you earlier um, yes you know winning the titles we want to win is great but actually the things you always look back on are the laughs from those trips the moments on those trips so you know I'd like the teammates to look back and go well that was absolutely hilarious you know I think back to Paris 2016 where uh, you know I was absolutely death, deadly ill I think that will give people some laughs who went to that event so yeah just I guess you know, not being, can't be any more succinct than that, but, you know, somebody that uh, was there for his teammates and delivered when it mattered, I guess. Yeah. Um, I would say hopefully you didn't play your last game. Hopefully you guys return to play soon. Yeah, but 100%. I would say as far as I'm concerned, you're going to be remembered for a lot more things other than that. You're going to be remembered as a staple in not just the UK community, but the world community. People are going to know sure. your name. People are going to hear your story. And um, one of the biggest tasks I've taken because of because of COVID is immortalizing that and helping solidify whoever's legacies hop on um, to share their story because it, it could probably be a little nerve-wracking. It could probably be a little um, vulnerable putting yourself out there like that. But the fact is, I know you for being supremely competitive, always passionate someone who i truly respected even before i met and someone who's a proud red and someone who will remind you you never walk alone yeah i really appreciate that appreciate that so so for that i want to say thank you so much for hopping on 
And that was my interview with Brett Koenig. Brett, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story and overall what you, you know, would, would you like to do when you get back on the court? And we all like to get back on the court soon and play some dodgeball. And it's looking like we're going to get there sooner rather than later. Um, but I wanted to touch on something. Um, as we continue on this year, I'm probably said this numerous times, but I'm going to actually interview some of uh, Steve's uh, list. And I might not get through all of them, might get through just some of them, maybe even half of them, but I will sprinkle some local uh, interviews in this season to help uh, to help uh, share some stories that are well-deserved here as well as abroad. So bear with me on that as I schedule that uh, down the road. Um, also staying tuned uh, for my next guest, uh, Gage, um, someone who's a solid friend of mine and someone who um, never ages. And hopefully in the next episode, we'll uh, <laughs> determine how that, uh, what's the secret to that. So if you're with me, if you've been with me up until this point, thank you so much for listening and have a good day.